You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also for the podcast, a new sponsor, RCB Bank. Since 1936, RCB Bank has offered progressive products and a friendly service. Come in today to find out more about their loan promotion on new used refinance cars, boats, campers, and ATVs. Visit RCB Bank to learn more. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, restrictions apply. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This Is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host. Back with another episode down at Bedford Studio today with my guest, Letty Watt. I'm going to to talk to you about golf and i'm so excited to talk about <laughs> golf because i very rarely get to do it um i think the last time i talked about golf was with golf architect colton um who was in here a couple of weeks ago but before that it was our mutual friend now uh beth brown who, who's been writing kids books yes swish which is really cool and she's very busy so beth if you're listening thanks for putting this together and uh, wish you all the best so golf <laughs> you played a lot of it haven't you I have. For a very long time. I have, Which yes. is something I dream about, playing golf until I can no longer play, you know, no longer walk, I think. Oh, well, that's pretty much my goal. Yeah. And uh, every now and then I think that day's coming tomorrow, but then I, I go to the gym and work out and yeah. ward it off another day or hopefully another year. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, I do. I, I do love playing, and I've grown up with it. I that's. I mean, I know a lot more about life. I have been other jobs. I was um, yeah. uh, college educated, uh, classroom teacher, librarian, storyteller, puppeteer. I've gone many ways in the arts, but it always comes back to golf. Yeah. Uh, and I really don't even. I don't know that it's golf so much as it is sometimes just the fresh air. And I say solitude, and people would laugh out loud, but because there's really no solitude in a foursome. Right. But there is, because somebody will usually go, oh, look, look. And, and we look and see a Cooper's Hawk or a Mississippi Kite or, yeah. uh, or something, you know, when they catch fresh meat in the air. So for a moment there, you're just right in tune with nature, and you're away from the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah, I... I that's why I've been. I've been. I'm 30 now. I've been playing since I was six. Um, well, earlier. Yeah, I think around that time. Um, and I, it, I've. I everything I have in life ties back to golf. I wouldn't be in the, this country without golf. Um, you know, I wouldn't have the friends I have without golf. I wouldn't have my wife without it. Like it's. It's when you sit down and look back at the game and the friends that you've made throughout the years, and and then you also tie into all the life lessons that you've had. I, I think. I've said this many times on the podcast, if you play golf from a young age growing up, you grow up a lot faster because you're around older people, the respect of the game, the etiquette and everything like that. Um, And I tell my friends and I think, stop playing golf or get your kids into it. I'm sure they'll grow up and get outside and maybe they'll walk instead of riding a golf cart. We'll see. (laughs) But absolutely. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, our kids don't play and that did always hurt my heart in some respect, but I respected their wishes to uh, mm-hmm. live their lives accordingly. Yeah. Uh, and I would have to say my sister and I, growing up as daughters of a golf pro uh, through the 50s, through the 60s, it was a different lifestyle completely. Yeah. Uh, when other people celebrated Christmas at home with trees and grandma and grandpa, we were on our way to uh, uh, Biloxi, Mississippi, uh somewhere south uh, where dad could play golf and get away Uh, when other people did things on Saturdays and Sundays and when Grand Lake was a a big thing uh, we went on Mondays Mm -hmm. because that was dad's day off Um, so the timing in a lot of things was different than maybe my peers growing Mm -hmm. up Uh, in the summer uh, I worked starting at age 13, never questioned it. Yeah. Uh, and 
I will say, working in a golf shop, for anybody out there who's ever worked in a golf shop, you learn a lot about humanity. And as much as I would like to say a great deal that's good, you learn a great deal that is uh, sad, let's just say. And uh, it makes my makes me scratch my head over people and mm-hmm. how did they ever come to think that so there I was at 13 facing these people just going yes no yes <laughs> oh yes oh really and <laughs> and they never told good stories no. you know when they would come into the golf shop it was always because they always had to do something and and say something. It was a glass countertop, and yeah. I would just sometimes think hey, they're going to go through that someday. Or it's it, and I would look at the glass countertop where the edges are just going to come apart because yeah. it would shake. And they would always tell me about the the shot on number two that went into this to the creek, and then they hit the tree, and then they hit the creek again because it was a creek that wandered through. Yeah. And I just thought. Did you not hit a good shot? But I didn't get to say anything because I was the pro's daughter. So right. I just smiled and took it in. Smiled and said yes. And, and you know, humanity hadn't changed. <laughs> no, I bet, it hasn't. Could, I bet I could ask you about your last yeah. game of golf, and you're going to tell me about your worst two holes. Yeah, and and it's I mean back back you know you're right. People I know friends of mine who are assistant pros and pros now, and you know there's always those people who come into the pro shop and they tell them every single shot that they hit today, and you're just like, yes, please, I, like, <laughs> I don't care. Like as nice as you want to say it, you can't though. You can't just say I don't care because they're a customer, they're a client, they're in the country club, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's the golf. Golf's an interesting world, and that when you, when you sit in a pro shop, you see a lot of good side of people, bad side of people, and then just you know, it, I kind of it's kind of like the barber's chair right when you go to the go to the hairdresser it's kind of like a safe place isn't it you sit down and you chat and you kind of just talk about anything pro shops are like that too I hadn't thought about it that way but you're right and uh, it, it I think that's probably why I'm a storyteller yeah is because they told stories and they told you know as the the day would go into the night now I would get I would get off at two o'clock in the afternoon because I started at Depending on sunrise, six, six thirty, or seven, mm-hmm. uh, and again, it, that was before daylight savings time. So this is a long time ago, yeah. uh, when gas carts were brand new and people didn't trust them, so mm-hmm. they still wanted their push cart. And uh, push carts cost a quarter. I had to get the handle out and attach it yeah. in the morning and have people the push don't know cart. what that is now, do they? Oh no. no! Well, I don't even know what that yeah. is, you know. And it was so simple. The cart was already standing up, and you put it in and you twisted the handle and it was ready to go and now if I get my click you know push cart out I, I have to my arms aren't long <laughs> enough to stretch it out it into a tiny little piece of plastic yes it? Yeah. it does sometimes and sometimes it goes back into the trunk of my car in one <laughs> unfolded piece <laughs> yeah so yes the, the times change but the people haven't changed and right. I think that is the, the curious part and, and the reason why we play I, I don't know. I've never interviewed people around the world, and I've always been curious. Uh, but what is it about golf that is is such a connection mm-hmm. that drives people? Yeah. Um, and I have my answers, but then I look at other people, and I'm going, well, why do you play golf? And then I, I usually just smile because, yeah. it for me... I like the brain part of it, you know? It's a challenge to my mind. And I think because I have gotten older, and my brain does not know I've gotten older, my body parts really, really talk to me to remind me. But I I really think I go out there because it challenges my my processing, Mm -hmm. and it challenges my control of of, uh, who I am. I mean, why get mad over a missed putt? Come on, I'm not a pro. I'm not making any money. In fact, I pay money to yeah. miss those putts, um, and uh, I've been make. But I make more than I miss. Yeah. And that's what people mm-hmm. that they. I make a three foot putt, and I think it's like a winning the lottery. Yeah, it's Christmas. It, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you pick it up and go to the next, and then you said you, you're the mental side. You're faced with another one. Yes. And you're like, oh. What if I, you know, and if you make that one, great. But if you don't, you totally forgot about the good one that you just made, don't you? Uh, you like, I, oh. Yes, but I, 
I have to hang on to those. Yeah. I I learned as a child, and I, I really, uh, you know, I had a mother and dad who raised us, and, and my mother, bless her heart, took us to uh, what few junior tournaments were out there in the 50s and the early 60s. And uh, the most prominent person in Oklahoma, besides a few professionals here in the Oklahoma City area and my father in northeast Oklahoma, uh, were out of Tulsa. And Mabel Hotz, who was in the, the Golf Hall of Fame, uh, was our golf mother. And I can remember I was playing nine holes in the junior tournaments, and I, I will say my very first tournament at age 11, very first, yeah. was at Southern Hills. Yeah. So you imagine an 11-year-old right. teeing off that first tee and looking down at other tees yeah. underneath her yeah. and other tees above her. Uh, they would call your name and give you a 10-minute warning. And at that point, my stomach would just go kaplot. And it was yeah. like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be sick. Yeah. And I'd run to the bathroom, and I wasn't sick. And then I'd show back up on the tea box. And they always had little packages of Wrigley's chewing gum. Yeah. And they had a whole basket of salt tablets. Okay. And so he would introduce us. We would shake hands. And then he would say, and have a Wrigley's chewing gum or have some salt tablets and stick them in your pocket. Girls, there's water on, you know, two holes on the front, two holes on the back. It's going to be a hot day. Always the same routine. Uh, and then one day, Mabel kept saying to my mother, your daughter, when, you know, 13, she needs to be playing 18 holes. Yeah. And... Boy, did life ever change, because I think up to that point, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. And we just played a lot of golf. And at 14, you know, putting me into 18 holes when I'm I'm a dreamer. I'm not a highly focused person. Right. But I learned. Three years of getting beaten and beaten and beaten. It was like, well, this isn't any fun. Right. Like, I have to do something, because I can't take this anymore. I, exactly <laughs> yeah. right. It took me... Um, 14, 15, and 16 were just awful years on the golf course. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, I managed to miss championship flight when I really was a good golfer. But yeah. I got A flight. One time I got B flight. Well, of course I won it. But yeah. that wasn't fair to anybody. Right. You yeah. Know? It's kind of like, I don't feel uh, good about winning. No, right now. no. But, I want to be in the championship flight. And I didn't feel that. good about losing either. Right. So, yeah. what, you know, it was sort of a conundrum for yeah. me. Uh, but I, Mabel, Mabel knew golf. Mabel knew girls. She knew what we needed. She knew how to push us with love. Mm -hmm. And she knew how to help us um, because it was pretty obvious we had um, great leaders in golf already. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I could, you know, recall all the names. And, and uh, Jeannie Thompson out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Oh, actually, she was from out of Oklahoma City. Uh, I played golf against Sherry Taylor and... Uh, then I expected all these people to grow up. Susan Basolo, I expected everybody to keep playing with me. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, after all these years, uh, Louise Steckel Blumenthal, Johnson, mm -hmm. hi, Louise, <laughs> I hope you're listening. <laughs> she and I and uh, a couple of others from Stillwater and around are still playing, but mm -hmm. not much. Yeah. And, and and it's right when you when you look back, and I, I mean, I got friends as well you grew up playing and, and they, they've never touched a club for the last 10 years and you're like how why like I, I don't know I couldn't live without playing golf you know like it's such a it's such a part of my life but then life happens you know families kids you move away mm -hmm. different friend groups you get into different sports and yeah it's but hopefully they'll come back to it one day that's the beauty about the hopefully, game hopefully right? well then don't wait too long <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so dad so growing up then Dad is why you're, you get into golf then, because Dad is a golf pro. Yes. And gets you and your sister into the game? Yes, absolutely. And because it was, I mean, kind of what Letty, um, what Beth was talking about when she was here was like, I had to go to the golf course because family was involved and I was taken care of and, mm -hmm. you know, like I was being babysat at the golf course. Was it kind of a similar situation for you? Well, absolutely. But not only me, you know, when I... Um, because I've been writing two blogs, Literally mm -hmm. Letty, which is my fun, um, um, fun, fun yeah. storytelling. And then I realized that time was passing. So my second blog is Miami Golf and Country Club History. Yeah. 
And when I began doing that and doing the research, which I just have, I, I brought a little paperwork here, but I have volumes at home and I have people who've told stories. The one thing we all had in common, and again, children of the 50s and the early 60s, the club was a babysitter. Yeah. And yes, we had hundreds of children playing golf. And Tulsa was the same way. Oklahoma City was the same way. Uh, public courses were the same way. Parents could drop their kids off at a public course. The kids would play 18, 36 holes a day. They had enough spending money for a hot dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a pool was there, we had lifeguards to take care of us. Um, so for me growing up, and we had golf lessons. Every Friday was junior golf day. Mm-hmm. We had uh, women and some men uh, because we had a great company called BF Goodrich there in Miami. And so the men, a lot of the men who would get off the midnight shift would come out. And we had scores. So we learned the rules. We learned about don't move your ball unless you want a penalty. Yeah. Uh, we learned about manners. And, and we learned about all forms of being honest. Mm-hmm. And that's because we had an adult with us at all times. So, yes, it was a babysitting place, but it was a family. We knew absolutely everybody, and everybody knew us, yeah. which meant, on the same hand, <laughs> everybody knew you. So you you were, as the pros' daughters, and my sister and I will tell you, it was we were under the spotlight all of the time, yeah. anywhere we went. And... Mm-hmm. My dad, being a golf pro, and my mother both were highly vibrant um, social people and loved to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so anywhere I went in town, like when I was older and I had my dad's race car, which was the Munts, and anybody from the era of the 50s would know the name Mad Mad Munts. Mm-hmm. He also went into stereos later on. Uh, but he built this car in 1951, and it was, um, I think he only produced about 100, and then he went bankrupt on that okay. deal. But we had one, and it, it went 160 miles an hour down the turnpike, which was brand new. In, in 1950. Yeah, well, <laughs> we owned it about 19, uh, I think he bought it about 1958 from yeah. Lou Newell. Uh, the car would go that fast. And that's just how you yeah. know that's how it lives so I know one time when I was 16 and driving the car we uh, took it out to the fairgrounds because we were we had a spotlight on it uh-huh. and we were going to go look for people parking yeah well you have to besides look for people parking you need to look out for mud sure. and of course I've got this thing that was only six inches off the ground stuck in the mud and there were no cell phones I, to the life of me I have no idea how we got help Somebody saw us, somebody knew the car, somebody called the wrecker. Yeah. The wrecker came out and he said, your dad will never know. That's nice of him. And I was so overjoyed. <laughs> Every time I drive down Main Street in Miami, Oklahoma, I look, they still had the little bear up there on the service station. Yeah. None of it exists anymore. But he pulled us out of there. He took us all the way back to his station. He washed the car down. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, awesome. Yes, that's growing up under the spotlight, I yeah. guess you would say. So this second, I guess, getting into the blog side of things then, with you started writing, um, I guess, so So with golf, right? You know, you, you said you get, when you get to 15, 16, you know, you're playing golf and you get a little better at it, you move to 18 holes. Do you start getting creative then when you're in school? Like, are you writing at that point? Or does the writing stuff and creative and storytelling come later? I think it was always there, but I never had time for another life. Um, I wrote when I was in college, but my dad was very focused, which I appreciate. And maybe he recognized in me that I wasn't. I wanted to be an Olympic swimmer. I wanted to be an Olympic diver. I wanted to be... Uh, a lifeguard, and I wanted to be a tennis player. Yeah. Well, with each one of those, the answer was Tizzy. That was my nickname. You can only do one thing right. Mm-hmm. You have to give up all of the others to do this right. Yeah. And do you want to play golf? Well, I did know golf. And so it's not like I didn't have a choice. Right. Uh, but I knew my choice was going to be give up golf and play tennis, and I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So that was one of those things that he drilled into me that and, and do the best you can. Mm-hmm. And I learned early on that's what practice was all about. I practiced and I practiced. And because I figured out I was good at putting and chipping, 
I practice that more yeah. because you enjoy doing it. I enjoy doing it. <laughs> yeah. And to this very day, if you ask me, my favorite thing is that I'd really rather just go putt and chip for an hour or two or three. I don't yeah. even need to play golf mm-hmm. um, because I've never been a long distance hitter. I'm straight. Yeah. But. I'm not long off the tee. And but getting up and down from everywhere saves you a lot of shots. Oh, yes, it did. <laughs> More than most people understand. If you're, yes. if you're, I mean, even and, some and golfers played, don't get that. You know, yet. thanks to Mabel, we played great golf courses in Tulsa. So I yeah. knew every summer I was going to play the Oaks, Southern Hills, Tulsa Country Club. Uh, at that time, it was Rolling Hills, which is now... Uh, the Casino Cherokee oh, okay. uh, yeah, Grand yeah, yeah. Casino uh-huh. yeah. up there, and they've changed it around um, because we used to tee off way up high. I remember that. Um, so I knew what was out there, yeah. and uh, uh, I, I think I could see I could see that there was a way for me to keep playing golf, yeah. and so I stayed with that. And I'm very creative with golf, maybe, is where that all mm-hmm. started. Because I can imagine hitting, especially chipping and putting. I, I don't know that I'm a good teacher when it comes to teaching people how to do that because I see it. I almost feel it. Yeah. So when I see a spot, and Dad always said bowlers were that way, that a lot of times they would throw the ball to a spot because they knew how much spin they would have on the ball. Right. And we played ping pong. So eye-hand coordination, seeing where the ball goes with this kind of spin or that kind of spin. Uh, And I was never strong enough to get spin, so to speak. But I knew if the ball landed at a certain speed on that green patch, it would kick to the left, roll down, and then it would roll back right. Um, So part of that was just... It's just in me, and maybe that was something I was good at anyway. Yeah, yeah, and then you paint that picture, right? Before you hit the shot, you can you know, your pre-shot routine. You some players close their eyes, some don't, but you can vision exactly what you're going to do. And then the main thing I think that sh- people struggle with is they don't have a clear idea of what they're going to do, right? right? Whatever shot it is, then maybe it's chipping, putting, driving. If they don't have a clear shot, they're standing over the ball. When they have no idea what they're doing, right? But if you said, if you you know, like you said, you you are creative and you paint that picture of exactly what you're going to do, for the most part, you do that, okay. especially when you practice it. Right, and for the most part, if you step up to the ball and believe and think that you're going to hit it straight, yeah. or you're going to hit it over the water, and oh my gosh, I do understand all the can'ts and the don'ts mm-hmm. in the world, and. My good friends who are listening use the word, oh, I can't do that. Well, I don't do that. I won't do that. And I almost cry. I I live long enough now that some days I think if I hear somebody say, I can't do it one more time, I am going to become the raging white-headed old lady that I remember living in our neighborhood, and I'm going to jump down their throats and say, you can do anything. You just have to see it and believe it. Yeah. But telling people doesn't work. Right, yeah, and then they, they like I said, they do think you are that crazy lady, right? Yes. And you're like, no, I, I've lived on this way. planet a lot longer than you have. By hard work, just go try it, and you'll get there. Yes. Um, and if you don't, at least you'll know you didn't. You know, right, you went right. Into. Uh, so getting towards the end of high school then, and you're planning to go to university, was golf, playing golf at a university on, on the mind? Actually, Yes, but mm-hmm. no, because this was in 1965, yeah. and we had no Title IX. Okay. And at that time, Arizona, maybe Arizona State, some Southern California universities, um, Florida, Florida State, and then some others in the South mm-hmm. did offer girls' scholarships and girls' golf. Yeah. And I'm not real sure I'm right to say scholarships. They had golf programs. Uh, But my parents told me that if I would go two years to NEO, which was the junior college across the street from us, (laughs) that then I could choose. And by then, I'd already decided I wanted to go to Arizona, Louisiana State, or one of the Florida schools. Um, So I did. I went the two years. And because it was Miami, my father wasn't the coach, but he was the coach. (laughs) We had an official teacher coach there Mm -hmm. who was a golfer, and we had a men's golf team. And so uh, 
for me, I had to qualify. Yeah. And I had to qualify, you know, we played 27 and 36 holes and I carried a leather golf bag, which may be why my right <laughs> shoulder's done. Yeah. done. Yeah. Uh, so I had the same standards. I didn't, they, and besides, they didn't really have a lot of women's tees. Right. They said they did in some places, but if I play with the men, yeah. I play with the men and I played the men's tees. Mm-hmm. And did they intimidate me? No. Because I'd grown up grown with, up with it. boys yeah. and men. Yeah. And, you know, even when I was 14, 15, and 16 on Thursday, which was men's night, if dad's group didn't show up, if somebody was missing, uh, he'd say, you want to fill in? Yeah. And he said, now just remind, you know, you, you have to pay up what you lose. Well, that settled right. me right down. I mean, I became a highly focused young right. woman to pay up a quarter or 50 cents when I didn't have it, was what Lee Trevino later said. He gambled yeah. for money when he didn't have it. Right. Uh, and, I, you know, I do remember the first time I won 50 cents. I, I was I was so thrilled. I made the putt just like my dad told me I would. He said, you always make the putt. I didn't think you didn't make the putt, yeah. see? Yeah. And that man handed me a 50-cent piece, and yeah. I was just jubilant. <laughs> That's oh, There's so many great things about the game, isn't there? Like you mentioned, it's, you know, like that first time you, and I kind of had similar experiences, you know, you get called up to play with older members, you know, or, or dad's friends, and, and they, you know, you, like you are playing their game. Mm-hmm. And... You know, you like I said, you, you do what you do, and you you have a putt or a chip at the end of the day, and when you win, it's not a fluke. It's like I played you guys straight up, and I, you know, on the same tees and the same mm-hmm. golf course and the same day, and I beat you. Mm-hmm. And some of them might not like that, right? <laughs> but, but you know, if, I mean, if it continues to happen, they might not like that. But yeah, it's uh, you know, as a kid, getting that, you know, getting that fifty cent, like. It's, that was gold. It's the, yeah, best thing that happened, mm-hmm. right? You know, and it's then you tell stories, and you you know, it it just becomes, again, going back to golf and being mental. You know, you're standing over that putt. It, you know, and I I always tell people like as well like, you know, go play for something that you don't want to lose, right? Like you mentioned, you play for money you didn't have, right? Um, like that's when real pressure and and people now I think college kids now they don't simulate pressure in practice simulate pressure situations when they practice so that when they do get to a golf course and they're playing in a tournament and they have to make a putt on 18 to win Mm -hmm. they haven't had that putt before whereas if you've been practicing playing your dad's friends for money or your friends for money or I mean it doesn't have to be money it could be just push-ups or golf balls or something that you don't want to give up to someone you know, you're putting yourself into that pressure. Yeah, well, they so. need Patty Gasso as their golf coach exactly. because that's just exactly what she said last week in yeah. that interview. She said, we put the pressure on the kids right there when they're mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. And I absolutely love that. I'm just going to hang on to that oh, forever. Yeah. She's yeah. fantastic. I coached uh, high school golf for Norman High in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was not a new program, but... Uh, We'd always had a couple of girls play golf, and yeah. I was a girls' coach. However, January, because it was a spring sport that started January 20th, which is not spring in Oklahoma, right. and our first boys' tournament was usually Wichita Falls at the end, toward the end of February, and then the girls' tournament toward the end of February at Ardmore. Yeah. So we had to play outside and get ready. And one of those years, somewhere I'd caught on, Billy Tubbs had a woman who was a a nutritionist, a trainer, and an aerobic person. And it was a bad winter, so I made some phone calls. She had a gym on campus. And I called and said, what would it take if I could get my kids over there to work out? I think we went once or twice a week, uh, girls and boys, and we all went to her little gym. The parents paid, uh, and I showed up, and I had to work out with them. And oh my goodness. She and it was her her teacher. She didn't do yeah. it. I I don't remember any names, but I know those boys just really thought the devil of me. The girls got a kick out of it because they were having to get in shape, and the boys they were all struggling together. So suddenly, right. it had it had new meaning, mm-hmm. and the only feedback I ever got from that was I had taken the boys to either Lawton or Wichita Falls, and I don't remember. Uh, and um, we got there in time to tee off because this coach sort of took a shortcut that 
they weren't going to forgive me for that one. However, because of the length of time and the hours on the golf course, yeah. our boys outdid everybody. And I don't know if we won or took second. Right. But the, as he said, well, the only reason we played so well is because we had the endurance. Right. That was all I've needed. Only one child recognized what mm-hmm. that endurance and that pressure and keeping it on and getting in shape for it meant. Yeah. And that's all teachers ask for is one comment here and there. Yeah. You know, to so. know that you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, growing up, obviously, dad's a golf pro. Um, mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, you and your sister are always in kind of the limelight. Um, I mean, looking <laughs> back now, right, and, and, and probably like you've heard all the stories from dad's friends or from your friends about your dad and, and family and stuff like that. I mean, golf pros back in the day are not golf pros. What they, you know, they're totally different to what they are now. Yes. I would have loved to have been in that just to see what golf was like in Late 50s, 60s, 70s, just to compare it to what it's like today. Actually, the, on, and on the Miami Golf and Country Club history blog, I have had so much fun reviewing what, and I'm only, I really researched it through the 40s totally. I haven't written about the 40s yet. Uh-huh. But when you go back and read, just all I'm reading is the, and it wasn't even called South Central PGA. It was just the PGA in Oklahoma, sure. which extended to Arkansas, Missouri, and Kansas because Oklahoma was organized. Yeah. And so these pros would come over from all these different states. And they were colorful, though. And, and they would play... Uh, well, sometimes they would bring their own caddies, mm-hmm. and sometimes we had caddies there. Uh, you couldn't operate without caddies because in the, well, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, and, and the 50s, we didn't have golf carts. Right. That's all there was to it. And they didn't push carts, so a lot of them carried their own. But they carried, they had dogs that came with them. Um, Kyle Foon, who I actually knew him, yeah. which I just think is, is phenomenal. Johnny Robinson, who lives in Miami, and myself, are probably the only two people still living who remember Kyle Foon. He was a massive character. Mm-hmm. Now, I think he only stood six foot tall uh, and broad-shouldered, drove a big, big yellow gold Cadillac everywhere he went, and he had a chihuahua. Yeah. And the chihuahua stayed in the front of the car when he would drive it would just stay up there now he would take it with him on the golf course sometimes uh, but they would start at nine in the morning they would play golf all day i can't begin to imagine how many cigarettes they smoked i can't yeah. begin to imagine how much alcohol they consumed sometimes they played cards all night long and got up and started it again yeah and the newspapers did their very best just to make it as clean cut as possible Uh, and I noticed when I read in the newspapers how they bragged about the buffet and the different foods that the people had but I was there at the country club and I saw what was going on Uh, so maybe my uh, childhood playing peekaboo you know hiding uh, because my sister and I would hide we learned early on that you could hide Mm -hmm. under uh, in the ladies uh, powder room on the second floor of the country club where the sink was instead of all of the drawers and the fanciness we have now they would run these beautiful skirts of uh, material around them and you could hide under there and you could watch and listen well of course you could gag because the women would go in there to smoke and so that one didn't last long yeah uh dad uh, in an attempt to do you know more golf and and such he invested in the uh uh, golf carts, mm-hmm. which was his own money, and and that's how my sister and I ended up going to college. But along the way, all through um, the 30s and the 40s, the only way the men could play was to make money on the side. Yeah. And you couldn't do those because if you did, then you had to turn pro, which my father had to turn pro in the late 20s because he got caught in Wichita yeah. for making bets along with the entire group of them. Right. They're all, yeah. 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 It, it was yeah. Uh, it was it was very normal yeah. I suppose yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they made a they had to make a good living somehow and driving cross country in their cars from tournament to tournament yeah. especially the central states and it would be fun and maybe somebody's researched it but I know they researched Perry Maxwell but one of the reasons Perry traveled from 
uh, Hutchinson, Kansas, down to Fort Worth is because we did have the highway that went straight north and south, and we did have a line of pros who were extremely active. Uh, and then when we started going east to west over to Fayetteville and then across over to Little Rock, we brought in all of those men as well. So they came to Oklahoma. Yeah. And the stories in the newspapers really are out there. Mm-hmm. Um Sadly, on my blog, I've tried to stay with the language, and I I write a note of explanation on each blog that I've taken the language right from the newspaper because the language would be unacceptable to young ears these days. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, But it's the stories that the magazines and the newspapers don't tell. And when you look at the old golf courses, we had water around the greens, but the fairways were dry. But we still had rough and fairways. And the rough, oh my gosh, it was rough. It had every kind of crabgrass and every kind of weed humanly possible. Um, So we had conditions that were, uh, well, people would call them, uh, what would they call them, cow pastures these days? Goat ranches. Uh, Goat ranches, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the nine hole courses in Northeast Oklahoma uh, Miami had nine holes. Baxter Springs, which is where Hale Irwin actually came from, yeah. uh, had uh, a lift elevator to go up on one of the holes. Sand Springs had lift elevators, not safe enclosed ones, but lift yeah. elevators to get you from a cliff hole to you mm-hmm. know the lower or back and forth. Uh, Vanita uh, had nine hole golf courses. Coffeeville, Kent, Chanute, Pittsburgh. All these small towns that hardly even exist anymore. Yeah, and, it and was now a, those golf courses don't exist and either. No, right? Walmart yeah, that's does. The sad part. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my golf course doesn't exist, yeah. which is why I'm writing about it. But the stories are absolutely magnificent. And then come to World War II, which I have done the research, I just haven't published. I think one of the most interesting things, uh, if you read the story that I wrote about Ed Dudley and mm-hmm. the other. All the other stories and books about Ed Dudley have missed the story, but um, he was the very first pro, at, and it was called Rockdale Country Club in Miami, Oklahoma. Very first pro. Nobody had ever heard of him. He he didn't know who he was. He came yeah. out of Florida and just happened to be a good guy, and he realized that he had come into a state that was at the highest peak of wealth with the oil boom going and then the lead and zinc mines in northeast Oklahoma. Uh, he found wealth that he couldn't imagine and he immediately started bouncing around from club to club but he became the first pro there at augusta and from augusta he then became one of the lead pga pros uh, and went to congress during world war ii Mm -hmm. to promote golf and talk about how valuable golf is to the world and Mm -hmm. then thank heavens bean crosby and bob hope came along and Made it figured more colorful. It yeah. yeah, I figured it out. Yeah. Um, then President Eisenhower. Yeah. I know I'm old, but when I can talk about President Eisenhower, I didn't get to meet him. My mom and dad yeah. had met him several times. Uh, ben Hogan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, the, you know, the big three, they always talk about Byron Nelson, Sam Sneed, and... Ben Hogan, mm-hmm. born in 1912. Well, my dad was born in 1912. Now, yeah. don't you think that's the big what four? A great, great, <laughs> yeah, a great era to grow up of golf, right? Yes. Golfing, golfing royalty, really. Yeah, well, it is. Yeah. yeah. I've, uh, you mentioned Eisenhower. I played in the Eisenhower Trophy one year in Japan, uh, world amateur. It was a lot of fun. Oh. Um, and, you know, like now, right, you know, I played it 2014, but, you know, getting everybody in the world to send their top amateurs to one place like that's that started because of back what you know back then right it's you don't have this tournament over the years without saying golf's important we should have a huge tournament about it right um well and his highway system uh, opened up the world to us it was sort of like the first of uh, social media you know suddenly we were traveling yeah Going places, having a great time. Yeah, and my parents were like so many parents. We had just enough money to travel. So, And we traveled with golf clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one year I actually I actually got a, 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 a record player, and it had a speaker in the front. And I was so excited, and it played 78s. It even played 45s if you bought the plastic sure. thing. I just wanted to take the record player with me. And my dad said, we have four sets of golf clubs. You think you're going to put this in there? And I was like, no. But no. I can remember wanting to take that because I was so proud of a record player. Yeah. 
so that's all I, I think all I know to travel is have at least one set of golf clubs there when I travel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess moving forward and coming to kind of like current, I guess, era, time of golf, um, you mentioned you moved back from, from Kansas down to Norman. Uh-huh. Um, what I mean, what what's golf like now compared to what it was when you were... Well, we grew up, you know, my sister and I grew up through the 50s and the 60s, and we had to do, we had to do our own thing. There was no Title IX. In fact, my sister played golf at NEO. Well, then I left NEO and I went to LSU. They had no program for girls, but they willingly did pay my way to two different tournaments as long as I could find a ride to get there and back, which I did, and I played in them. Uh, My sister came along, and the last year she was at junior college, she was on the team, and lo and behold, Title IX came up, mm-hmm. and the uh, junior college threw a fit and said, well, she can't play with the boys anymore. We have Title IX. So suddenly, it's instead of playing, she was dropped. Uh, so our time, you know, we were still walking, carrying our clubs. Well, the girls are, and the boys are now, I know, for amateurs. Uh, but we still played cow pastures from mm-hmm. time to time. And then uh, my sister pretty much has not played golf all these years, but I promise you, you put a club in her hand and she'll still find a way to beat you. So don't go challenge her out there. Um, So I played um, through Oklahoma. I lived in Texas a while, back and forth. And then uh, in the 80s, I started playing more. My my kids were teenagers and Mm -hmm. I was struggling as a mother to deal with teenagers. And somebody said, well, why don't you go play golf early in the morning while they're still sleeping? Yeah. Which I thought was brilliant. Great idea. Great idea. So uh, that got me back in and we played a lot of public golf courses, all of the ones through the city and around. I always liked kicking bird and I didn't like getting up at 4 a.m. and making tea times. Uh, and then we joined the trails, and then promptly after that, my husband moved me to Kansas in 96, yeah. and we uh, played the Highlands up there for a few years, and then we joined Prairie Dunes. Yeah. And it Fantastic. was like I'd lived for nothing else but that. It was just absolutely yeah. uh, 15 years of the greatest golf experiences I could ever ask mm-hmm. for. And my husband will agree. Uh, until you've been at a place like that and played, uh, yeah. it, it's a different caliber. So for all the people mm-hmm. who travel around and play U.S. Open courses, I understand why. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you get that opportunity to play that to, you know, a golf course like that, that level, mm-hmm. I mean, it all makes sense, doesn't it? It like does. You, that's why, I mean, you know, you, you asked earlier, mm-hmm. you asked friends, why do you play golf? And playing great, you know, getting the opportunity to play great golf courses is one of them. And, and working towards being playing well when you play great golf courses is the next step isn't it because there's yes. nothing worse than traveling paying however much it is to go play a golf course and then looking for your ball in every hole because you're in the rough right well i imagine a lot of people do that i mean yeah. that was usually our joke at prairie dunes was oh they're playing the back tees they'll never make it and yeah. uh, the joke was when we first joined uh, people would come in at the turn and buy another dozen Those, balls yeah. and they always called them charlie's the pros <laughs> always called them charlie's golf balls because uh, they'd run out of golf balls yeah so I know that happens to them, but I will say if ever you have chances to play some of these elite courses, mm-hmm. no matter what caliber you are, people don't realize it, but you can actually pick up your yeah, golf ball, yeah. walk to the front of the green, drop it down, chip it up there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you can have you fun. You can still play. And I think the yes. biggest struggle I think that people don't do and the ego part of the game ruins a lot of people's experiences is they don't play from the right tees. Exactly. Right? Like, you should figure out, like, how far do you hit the ball for tee? Okay, this is the tee that you should tee off. Yes. Not go to the backs and try and, and play, guess like, what? I found words. out I had an ego. I didn't yeah. think I did. Right, but yeah. I have a big one that just stands in front of me and yeah. forces me into some very poor decisions. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why we play That's why we play golf, isn't it? That's, that's why I think golf is great for, for life experience and everything else. It is. And, but, you know, it still comes back to the people. Of course it does, L- yeah. Look at all the people we've met. We, we wouldn't be talking if it weren't for right. golf because you met yeah. you met Beth. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and I met Beth on the putting green one day at the trails when we moved back, and she was making putts. And I'd never seen another woman out there just putting and making putts. And I just walked up to her, and I said, uh, would you like to play golf with me sometime? Yeah, I'd love to learn. Well, that's like another thing, too, is playing golf with better players makes you better, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yes. And yeah. then I asked who she was. Yeah, okay, let's play golf someday if you want to. Yeah. Yes. And your name is? Oh, right. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I guess finishing on, you know, this 
this time we've had together. I really appreciate you coming coming in and telling stories. And uh, thank you for the gift as well. And this is definitely going to go in my office. Some teas from a very long time ago. Yes. And this this really cool little handbook that that you uh, the member you said forced your dad to make, which is great. Um, <laughs> What do you see, uh, I guess, where do you see golf going with, not where you see golf, what would you like to see in golf going forward to get more kids into the game? Because like you mentioned, there's no nine hole, there's very little nine hole golf courses anymore. You know, and I think that is a, you know, when you're a kid, you want to be in a golf course for eight, five hours. You want to go out and play, you know, nine holes in two if you want. Right. You know. I, you know, I think I have to say almost thank you to COVID. Mm -hmm. I think what COVID did was get people out of their homes. It got kids out of their houses and it got families together. And I suppose what I'd like to see, and I'm seeing it at our little country club uh, at the trail, so I'm sure it's happening elsewhere. Mm -hmm. I like to see mothers and dads or either one out there with their children playing. Mm -hmm. That that's when it becomes a lifelong sport. When, when the parent role models, what's important. And, uh, when the parent thinks that it's good enough to leave them at the golf course for six hours, I think that's just as positive as long as the pro and the people around are assisting. Yeah. So I think that will always have a place for it. And I do think public courses are essential. Mm-hmm. I would like to see them, I would like to see people accept nine hole golf as being enough, yeah. I would like to see more people pick up the ball and go, not a scramble necessarily, but come on, don't you, nobody wants to have a 10 yeah. on any hole. Yeah. Um, years ago, I learned the term Bipley, ball in pocket, you know? <laughs> yeah. Ball in pocket, lost interest, yeah. you bet. And having 10s, having 8s is no fun. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether you're a one handicapper or a 36 handicapper. Nobody has fun doing it. Yeah. So you simply draw the line at the number eight mm-hmm. and say that's it. Yeah. And if you see an eight coming after you've hit into the trees three times, not that I'd be talking to you or anything <laughs> there, uh, pick it up and go to the green and finish putting and call it a hole. Take yeah. an eight. Yeah. It's, you're uh, right. It's community, social side of things is worth it. Go and having a great time. And especially when you're young, starting out, the last thing you want to be yeah. doing is telling your kid to finish out when you're like, they've hit 10 shots already. Right. And they're miserable. Right. And when you're learning, a man, woman, or child, tee it up. Yeah. My heavens, you don't have to hit the ground like Lexi Thompson. Mm-hmm. In fact, if I hit the ground like Lexi Thompson, I'd probably be at the chiropractor's <laughs> office, you know? But maybe my she ball would go further. Very, very hard. <laughs> she does hit it hard. And I kind of felt sorry for her, was it, last, last oh, week? Or, two weeks ago oh, two at the weeks. Open. It was hard to watch, oh. that was. Uh, oh, it was, and I watched so it, tough. and I just wanted to go hit that ball for her. Yeah. I could have chipped. Yeah. I thought she and I would make a great scramble team. <laughs> yeah, Wouldn't just, that be you fun? You just pound it off the team, hit it to the <laughs> yeah. green, and I'll chip from five. I'll take yeah. care of it. Actually, um, I'd really rather play golf with NB uh, Park. Uh-huh. I just want to walk her pace yeah. and have her smile and mm-hmm. just lull myself into it. I pretend when I'm it's out so there. It's so casual, isn't it? It's so easy and yeah. so casual. And I know she must do something in her mind, like sing. I sing, da dum bum bum <laughs> Because I can see Opie walking down the path, carrying the fishing pole with nothing else on the mind. I'm walking down the golf course. I'm chasing a white golf ball with nothing else on my mind. And Enby Park is absolutely the model. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. no, you're right. It's it's a joy to watch, especially when you see it in person and you get to yes. be around it. And that's one thing, thankfully, now where everyone's starting to go back to golf tournaments and see them in yes. person. And I mean, just watching people, you know, the best of the game do what they do live and you know when you're 10 feet away and oh. i'm sure when you go watch women's golf you know there's you get a lot more access than you probably do if you go to a men's tournament yes and you know. i keep telling people you're missing the boat when you're not watching women's golf mm-hmm. it is they play golf that a lot of these men can play yeah so if a man wants to see some possibility mm-hmm. uh and then if a man wants to see the unbelievable, you know, watch him in person, go to a Sondheim yeah. Cup. Right, yeah. I mean, you mentioned being good at short game. 
women are very very good at short game and I played a little bit of golf there was a few girls on our team when we were growing up and I lost I was a kid I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast and it was a very it wasn't a traumatic experience for me as a kid but I lost a match play <laughs> tournament to a girl and oh. I cried my eyes out and I was like 14 15. I was old enough to like not be able to, I shouldn't be crying right. I was like 14 15 years old and and all and, and like the guys uh, that were on our team gave me so much grief for losing and I lost on 18 as well like it wasn't you know it was a tight right. game but like so you she had just a gallery. Beat me. Oh yeah, she just <laughs> beat me straight up. Um, and she's I mean, obviously she was good. She played for you know the great. She played for Great Britain and played for Wales. And but still, it didn't matter. Like to the get to my friends, she was a girl that just beat you. That's you know, right. didn't matter how good she was. Oh, and it. I, yeah, I did. I, I was crying as a kid. I was like, this is because again, I'm competitive and I hate losing. Yeah. And it's just like, oh great. And yeah, that. I don't think I've lost to a woman ever since, which has been great. You've uh, probably been also had, woman since then. Yeah, you're right. But I, I've gone the other way and I brought them onto my team because when you can have a, a lady who can play golf and who can hit it far off the tee and they're teeing off from the reds, it's yes. great to have in a scramble. Oh, yes. Uh, and I learned that very quickly as well because yes. the guys that you're playing against are like, how did you drive that green? And it's like, I didn't. Our friend yes. over here did, which yes. is great. So. Yeah, well, we can thank Pete and Alice Dye for having exactly. a lot of forward tees now that we can call women's tees, or we yeah. can call them Call them whatever they want, junior, forward. Right. I mean, yeah, that's the beauty Take of the having gender out yeah, of it. Yeah, it's very true. Um, I didn't even think of that, so that's, I'm glad you brought that up, because that is very true, because there are some men who can't hit it out of their own shadow. Right. <laughs> right. Right, and they're <laughs> not so, going to yeah. play, you know, the proverbial red tees, and they're not going to play the women's tees, so yeah. if you don't put a gender to it and just yeah. call them the forward tees, mm-hmm. or... Do know, it by handicap. Yeah, well, yeah. people have Maybe. tried. Yeah, no. okay. That's before... Mm-hmm. I, I, deaf ears. Yeah, deaf ears, you're right. Um, but again, Lenny, thank you so much for coming down and sharing some stories. I know there's a lot that we didn't get to, um, but I will put the links to your both of your blogs in the description okay. so people can go to that and check them out. Um, and yeah, I hope to see you on the golf course. Uh, I would love to tee it up with you and Beth if you guys have time. Oh, I'll come I down think to, we can come down to Norman and we can do that. do that. We're going to play nine holes at Cobblestone next Friday. So Where is that? Uh, it's uh, in Norman, south okay. side, yeah, yeah. south of the, uh, Highway 9. Okay. little nine-hole golf course that also has Frisbee holes. And, yeah. yeah, you can play Frisbee or play golf. So if oh, you get I'm frustrated, frisbee golf. Putt, putt to the <laughs> so great bad. big hole. That is very true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming down. Uh, for everyone listening, you. I will post the links to Letty's blogs in the description. And yeah, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also, huge shout out to RCB Bank for jumping on board to be a sponsor. RCB Bank's loan promotion is here for a limited time. Head into any of their 40 Oklahoma locations to get as low as 1.79 APR on your next car, boat, camper, or ATV. Apply online at rcbbank.com. RCB Bank, that's my bank. Rate and finance with approved credit. Restrictions apply and member SDIC. Huge shout out to my sponsors. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.